We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Running back landscape exiting NFL week three on our Monday night football instant reactions. That's what we are talking about today on Rotoviz Overtime. We didn't get a full chance to talk about DeAndre Swift's Thursday night football performance in week two, but we are going to dive into his performance here in week three. So I'm excited to talk about that in just a few moments. But hopefully everyone listening in got, I guess, the uh the odds in their favor on Monday night football with that double header, and hopefully they got over the line in nfl week three to get that w a good week for the ot teams hopefully the ot listeners teams have had a good week as well sean how are you feeling as we continue in to nfl week four the quarter poll one of the requests sean i haven't mentioned this to sean one of the requests for after week four is a kind of a quarter it's not the quarter point of the nfl season but kind of a an early season kind of where our team sits from a baseball landscape from a, a season-long landscape so that could be a fun topic next week when we dive into that we're almost at that point which when when it was requested a couple of weeks back it felt like that was going to be a long time away but it's here right now did it i mean it may have felt like that then i feel like i've i've lived like 15 16 weeks already in these first three with the various injuries the i don't remember a season with like this high a highs and this lower lows this early right because i mean i've had lots of seasons where the teams get off to i mean if you play in a bunch of leagues you're not going to be like straight up undefeated obviously but get off to like crazy starts where you're looking just at every single team and you're thinking i mean these teams have a shot to win it had seasons where the first three weeks were tough because I mean, if you're going with zero rb in some of the previous years where it's harder to get running backs if you're going with contingency based draft approach to where you are prioritizing more talented players who have wider ranges of outcome get those young players on the roster those rookies you're waiting for them yeah to i mean on. you're you're waiting right and you have to be patient and you are looking at it and saying you know how much deeper can we realistically get and have these guys come roaring back and score enough points to get us there so you know both both sides of it where 
you know, you look feel like you're going to win a million dollars versus you're like, we, we need to get going. This season has had so much of both where extremely important players have been taken out. And when you think about that, one of the things I was thinking about this morning <laughs> as I was showering there and you have, you know, some of those philosophical thoughts that sneak in as you're just going through the motions. I mean, there have been really big injuries that have benefited us as well. And that part is also sad because you're not rooting for actual human beings to get hurt by any stretch. Uh, but I mean, certainly we have a lot more Quentin Johnston than Mike Williams. And number one, it looked like Mike Williams could end up beating us on teams because he was off to a very good start. And it's just so sad for him because he's been in this position before, like almost there, like almost there, right on the cusp, and then can't stay healthy. And so he never really breaks through. He's never really paid off that top 10 draft pick. And I mean, we were to the point this year, I was very skeptical. I didn't think he was a good pick at all. But then, you know, with this sort of resurgence from Justin Herbert, you know, with the new offensive coordinator, with, you know, Keenan Allen running absolutely wild and creating a you know, number one target that the defense has to respect and has to really account for there. I mean, Mike Williams looked fantastic. And Quentin Johnston was somebody who, I mean, they really were true to their word when they said they were going to work him in slowly. I mean, he was not involved. You know, now you both don't have to worry about losing to Mike Williams and you have this opportunity for Quentin Johnston to go on a just, roll. Just not, not in the way that you wanted to happen you wanted to be you know talent based yeah. rather yeah than you want to be and, talent based. and you mentioned williams one of the notes that we didn't get to in the show yesterday because of the the injury effect he had an absolutely spectacular catch down the sideline you know basically catching it off the the turf on sunday and you know that was like going to be one of the highlights that i wanted to mention on the recap show we did on monday but you get to a point then when he's really out for the season and you know maybe i should still should have mentioned it but he 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 looked as good as he i think he probably has in his nfl career and those opening couple of weeks of the season yeah he looked good and then you know the the nick chubb injury obviously we don't have much chubb and have a lot of jerome ford you know so that works in your favor even though you definitely wish again that it hadn't happened quite that way so every team is a little bit different every situation is a little bit different in terms of what you specifically need to have happen to get your teams into the right spot I was joking with Eric Hove, and I've drafted a variety of, of interesting teams with, that we have a 125-level FFPC best ball team that has terrible quarterbacks, it has J.K. Dobbins, it has Brees Hall, it has no Dolphins, and it is in first place. And you're like, I'm not exactly sure how that's happening. Now, I mean, it has B. John Robinson, it has Keenan Allen. I mean, you obviously have to have a few things going right. But you look at that team, and it's like, this is not the group of players that seem like they should be in first place to this point. And so again, I mean, one of the things you're looking at in individual leagues too, is like how well spread out are the massive difference makers on other squads. So you've got that dynamic. Uh, did check in on the underdog teams yesterday and I mean, have a lot of teams in first place. We have a lot of Keenan Allen and a lot of Devin A chain. And it's kind of one of those things where you're excited about that. But also, if you have a lot of those two guys, then you probably need to have a lot of teams in first place right now, right? Because they're not going to keep doing what they've done so far. And there's also that fear of, you know, it's like Sam Laporta, you know, how excited you are. You're also trying to balance that out with like one play can end the season, as we mentioned with Mike Williams, for example. And 
it's just the NFL that happens and it seems to be happening at a bigger rate and it feels like at moments the NFL or the fantasy football gods take away that joy that you've built up you're kind of trying to temper down that expectation but there's a long way to go but having those guys on the roster at this point is is very exciting and I was chatting with Ben um, I don't know that he is necessarily publicizing this but he's got a team in the top 100 and he was kind of going through it with me and joking about how I mean it's awesome but like maybe a few of the peripheral players aren't the guys that he would really want on his best team and like you're fine your team is awesome I I don't know where it ended up after last night but it does have Mike Evans so it did score more points obviously Uh, I mean what you need for those teams is for the guys who are real difference makers to stay healthy to make a difference yeah so and it is like we have a couple of teams that are looking pretty good in the rosters i think look pretty stacked but they're teams that were you know Tua and rogers as you know two quarterbacks on the the roster and most of them are also paired with maybe a guard wilson and probably a a breeze hall as well and you're kind of looking at just the new york situation you're like this team is awesome if if those if that one injury didn't happen but the thing is is the other players of the team can still get you to the that promised land it's just it feels like you're always you know you have that insurance at the start of the season that there's injuries will happen and you can afford those injuries whereas when you get some of those type of injuries you're like well another one or two in this this team's done yeah and it's always tricky because you don't want to boil fantasy football down to just the search for league winners there's a lot more to it than that there are a lot of structural elements you do need to have other good players but i mean the league winners are dramatically important and it's one of the reasons that we draft the way that we do and it's one of the reasons why you know when you're sitting there and looking at your roster and saying okay well i'm not getting the production that i want from a quentin johnston i'm frustrated by a Traylon burks you know why are these young players on the roster when i could have just had the chalky veterans so if you approach it that way i mean you're not going to have devon a chain and so you have to be willing to take the good with the bad and to take the right types of risks and build the right types of teams. That's one of the reasons why we do the draft shows. And it's not just about rankings. It's not just about the player targets. You have to have the right blends and you want to think through the right types of rosters, knowing that some of the rosters are going to hit on a greater concentration of the league winners and the breakouts. And some of them are going to hit on a greater concentration of the league losers and the injured players. So the real success or failure of the process happens over more than three weeks and it happens over more than one season. So we're going to work through those different types of things. But Colin, we did have a lot of interesting developments again last night and we are in one season right now. And 2023 is the season that we currently want to win. You and I, our teams did well. I did have a team that survived because Chris Godwin didn't get in the end zone at the end there. That's always nice even though i mean generally we're rooting for chris godwin that's one of those monday night football uh you know double-edged equations that you're trying to some team some teams you have you may need him to get a certain amount of points and, and other teams you need him to not score a certain amount of points it's always a dilemma yeah well when that play happened I'm like ah, that's the play that we need for our chris godwin shares and then in the back of your mind like but that's also the play that's going to allow me to survive this individual game that maybe that game is the one you end up needing for that team down the stretch to make it through also had a bunch of teams come up short ben actually messaged me about one of our main events that had gone ahead by like 0.2 
in the fourth quarter. But then there was a scoring adjustment a couple hours later. We lost oh, by half a no. point. So a variety of things like that. Monday night is exciting, especially when you have a couple of games. Colin, the biggest story, I think, of Monday night, and there were a lot of them, and these two games were very interesting. But DeAndre Swift, another player in that group of speed backs, where if you have this electric run to daylight ability and you have the right offense one of the things that you were mentioning to me before the show and i think is really almost everything that the nfl is about at this point are the schemes and creating the space and you hear offensive coordinators and you used to even i think a lot more but you talk about okay well we have this guy and you know he's got some lateral agility he's got some speed we're gonna get in the ball in space and as a fan and as a fantasy manager you're thinking okay we've heard that about a lot of guys and we know that that's the intent in week one and we're going to watch you throw some screen passes or short passes to the running back what have you and there's a big difference between guys who are actually in space and the running backs who are being swarmed under by three or four defenders because everyone in the stadium from the defenders at the line of scrimmage to the fan in the very back row of the stadium knew what play was coming. There's a huge difference between that and what we're getting right now from the Dolphins and the Eagles. The big part, Sean, I think, and I keep coming back to it, is innovation. The the NFL for a long time has had you know coaches that come from certain coaching trees, so they're using certain elements of those playbooks, for example. But Ben has talked quite a bit on Stadium Bananas about the series i believe it was at the the ringer where they talked about kind of the kyle shanahan tree and you have you know i know i know we haven't talked a lot about the packers on this show but you keep mentioning the packers are a well-coached team i would tend to agree with that that is somebody obviously uh, and lafleur who comes from that but you're looking at these teams it doesn't necessarily have to be case that the eagles the eagles you know the connection isn't there but they're innovating the offense in the way they're trying to use their quarterback and they're trying to use their offensive line and they're trying to make sure that they're using the best players in their offense they're trying to get the ball in their hands rather than just kind of put up a token gesture of a certain amount of touches to a certain player you know based on say contract based on draft pick it's just a case of if you're the best player you're going to get these touches and they're trying to get those players those touches quite concentrated in those offenses and, and i think I mentioned this on the recap show with the quote out of Miami talking about with Mike McDaniel that they're not going to do basically the stuff that the rest of the NFL has done because even this before we record today I seen a report coming out from the Cowboys that you know there's some concern with the Cowboys that Will Greer and also Ezekiel Elliott playing now with the Patriots will know some of the hand signals and so on and so forth that the Patriots may look to use or sorry that the Cowboys may look to use against the Patriots this week so you're in situations like that where it's going to be the same thing across teams the offenses have been kind of passed on from one playbook to the other and I think what we're seeing with the Eagles and with Miami for example and with the other offenses that are having that success is the innovation is the plays that we're not seeing every single other team run on a consistent weekly basis and then you also get the players you talked quite a bit about the Dolphins and the speed and how that is not able to be replicated by other teams because they have built it up over years but then you look at the Eagles as well as another example of that where they just have speed all over the field like there's a, a touchdown a 34 yard touchdown in this game to Zacchaeus which is 
I was very impressed with some of the plays that Hertz was able to make and extend in, in this game, you know, improvising, not the same as what we would have seen with a Russell Wilson in Seattle, but, you know, on the move, being able to make those plays, quite a spectacular play. But again, he's not somebody who we're going to talk a lot about it for fantasy purposes, but when you talk about speed and what he's able to do on the field, there's speed all over the place here for, for this Eagles team. But you look at A.J. Brown and you look at, deandre swift and then you look at deandre swift as a running back being able to get through we've talked about the offensive line and what it's able to do for for hertz and what they're able to do in fourth downs and all these different things when we look at what they're able to do for their running backs we've seen it over multiple seasons and now you drop in a deandre swift who is more talented than those other running backs that have been there for example a, a Miles sanders for example and then we look at kenneth gainwell who has been there for a few years but for whatever reason hasn't had the full opportunity and gainwell looks fine i would use the word fine but i don't think in terms of what we're seeing with deandre swift that that gainwell is that true elite level difference maker which i think swift is and heading into week one we had the concerns about the usage i mentioned on the show i think after week one because gainwell wasn't going to be available for week two that the quote was you know some weeks we're going to get deandre swift getting all the work some weeks we'll get him with none of the work but I think at this point, we know that they have to give him a huge chunk of the work because he is a difference maker. The splits in this, Sean, it was 40 rushing attempts when you add in Jalen Hurts with 10, but it was pretty evenly split, 16 to 14 in favor of Swift with 130 yards, 8.1 yards per carry. He just looks, he looks, he looks like we always thought he looked, but when he would stay healthy and when he would get the use in the offense. And to be honest, there's, a part of me which would be very happy to see him set in that 16 carry per game range you know I don't, I don't think his body is going to hold up to 25 every week what we want to see is you know 15 16 carries and then like we see with a uh, christian mccaffrey we want to see five to seven targets the disappointing part here was just the two targets one reception for eight yards but hopefully that that comes along yeah and if there was a disconcerting note in this game it was his role in an interception that Jalen Hurts threw, where he was the target. And you certainly get the impression that he may not have done what Hurts wanted, as opposed to it simply being a bad throw by Hurts there. And he didn't play for a bit again after that. Then they finally condescend to put him back in the game, and he immediately rips off multiple long runs. And they're like, okay, well, we got to take the good with the bad. But maybe part of the bad for fantasy managers will be that one's a hard one to call i would assume that you know maybe the quarterback gets the benefit of the doubt there but looking at the play if he throws that you know if if it's an end breaking right for swift swift is gone there swift has beat the the defender and is gone and and maybe it is a case that he's meant to get to that point and sit down and just like you know take the five yards and get crunched by the defender yeah i mean if you're a swift defender then you're like what he did makes a lot more sense but I mean, you can't do the thing that makes sense. You got to do the thing that is the right read. <laughs> we seen Aaron Jones on the play that unfortunately hurt his hamstring against the Bears in week one, take a, an end breaking right like that, and you know go to the house for the Packers for a touchdown. And uh, I see a lot more of that in terms of what we do with running back rights than run a five yard card, <laughs> sit down there and take a hit from the defender. So let's give Jalen Hurts the benefit of the doubt, but let's not stop throwing the ball to DeAndre Swift. And when you look at this game, the I mean, the 29-yard ride, Swift just looked shot out of a cannon. It's a weird deal where you, you do still have those questions in the back of your mind because Swift is 
very clearly a top five talent. If you're a top five talent and your team is willing to give you away and burn a top 15 draft pick on basically a redundant type of player or just the same player, right? And maybe even not as good. Now, it looks like Gibbs is going to be fantastic. Sean, I, I love what the Lions are doing. Let me uh, tell you about TJ Hawkinson, who they traded to the Vikings last year, which so also he, looks like an incredible he, decision. <laughs> doing some very good things, doing some very uh, questionable things. Well, it just win-win in those cases where, I mean, they've got Gibbs and Sam Laporta and other teams now have DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson. And, so. and they didn't have to pay TJ Hawkinson, I guess they'll say. They have a rookie, you know, who's, you know, tight end one and Sean Siegel's rankings where we also have Hawkinson who's tight end two. So great move by the Lions all around. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, they need to, they need to win with this, right? I mean, you can't move those guys for peanuts and not, I think the pro the problem is is the compensation they got for them is seems ludicrous. It was really poor in both cases. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You look at the running backs on Monday night, and the first thing that we have to say here is that DeAndre Swift would have had a bigger advantage in carries if they hadn't won in a blowout. They used Gainwell down the stretch to protect the electric guy, to protect the guy who's the big playmaker, right? And you know, perhaps to have the player who's not going to make any mistakes, which you don't want when you're up big out there on the field. But the gap would have been larger. It's also a case where if Gainwell gets to carry more in a more wide open time period of the game then he probably looks more dynamic himself right so the eight yards per carry gap to three yards per carry that probably overstates where they are but we also know from everything these players have done previously that there is a big gap there you look at the other running backs on monday night joe mixon 3.4 yards per carry kyron williams 3.8 rashad white 2.7 <laughs> sean tucker has two carries for one yard and again we're not saying that these yards per carry numbers are going to predict what they do in that stat the next week obviously but there is a lack of explosiveness in backs who don't have long speed who don't have elite tackle breaking ability 
I mean, White, the best straight lineback of this group, but not someone who breaks any tackles. So you have this mix of traits that doesn't help you. And we should say that even though Joe Mixon, again, didn't do much big picture in this game other than soak up 19 plays that might have been better off trying to pepper Jamar Chase, he did look very good on the touchdown run. Now, if you're rooting against him having that Cincinnati touchdown stolen by the player who otherwise in the game isn't playing, well, that part is frustrating, but he should get credit for how hard he ran in the game. The big picture element there though or issue is simply what Mixon and these other backs will do and how you don't want to bet on the volume of players like White and probably Kyron Williams even though I mean there is going to be until they start to incorporate some other players in this attack as well I mean he's going to be involved as a receiver and he is a very natural receiver so he only catches two of the seven targets in this game. That part is a little bit fluky. We're going to get some more big games from Kyron Williams, but we want to understand that there are different profiles between the Miami backs who are breaking out, the Swift back who's breaking out, and some of the backs who have hit based on some usage and individual plays that are far less likely to be replicated as the season goes along. What you discussed about the Eagles is just such an important point for other teams if they want to replicate any of the success, which is that similar to what we've witnessed with the Dolphins, the Eagles have gone out and tried to continue to add even when they were there. And that's the part that I think as a Chiefs fan, you're a little bit frustrated by is that the Chiefs have had some misses and have appeared to then say, okay, well, we're not going to take any more risks. We're not going to build here in the right way. Now they've used a lot of lesser assets to try and bring in some guys and Rasheed Rice did look very good in week two people would be talking about him a lot if he scores two touchdowns as opposed to being tackled twice they're in close but the Eagles had an offense where you have Jalen Hurts you have Devontae Smith you have Dallas Goddard you have Miles Sanders for most NFL teams that's an embarrassment of riches and instead of saying okay Let's see what we can do with that. They said, you know what would make us a Super Bowl contender and possibly a Super Bowl champion is adding A.J. Brown, possibly the best wide receiver in football. You know what would make us better in the running game would be to let Miles Sanders leave and to bring in someone who is better. That's what you want to see. And, and one of the reasons why we have this big gap between the haves and the have-nots is that you have innovative coaching and then you have aggressive personnel decisions to add playmakers. There also seems to be a connection between the people adding the players and the coach rather than it being like two separate entities. And I think a lot of organizations, there's a split. You know, people are kind of almost protecting their backs. The coach is trying to coach the players, but the person who's the general manager is also trying to make sure that they're still in the job in three years' time. Well, the best way to ensure that you're still on the job is to put together elite teams. (laughs) And so you want to make sure, again, like you're saying, that everything is pointing in the same direction. You have that element. You also want... Putting together the elite team is one thing, but putting an elite team together that isn't in the image of what teams have been previously is a risk. So we see the Dolphins are doing something that other teams haven't really done, and we're seeing the Eagles do something similar in terms of how they're trying to build this offense as well. It's not the kind of build build an organization to win a Super Bowl by numbers play. The other thing that's so interesting here is that you hear so much about the copycat element of the league. And yet 
we saw a lot of handoffs to the up back where that player was stuffed on third and short or fourth and short this week and how much of what the eagles are doing did we see it's like i mean yeah the copycatting can be a little bit annoying in its own way i mean you don't want these advantages to close you don't want defenses to be able to neutralize fun plays and at the same time when you're a fan of the other teams you're just watching in general you're like i just football seems slow to get onto the right approach when you contrast it with other going back to that part again about what teams have done in the past like you know if you hand it to the up back and he doesn't make it you know it's like oh well they tried you know that but if you take your quarterback and roll him out on fourth down and try a pass and it's incomplete they'll be saying like oh you know they should have ran it you know should have or it's the same as if we're if we look back five years and still to today but the conversation around analytics or when the chargers went for it this past weekend the whole thing is like that is not what you did for the last like 50 years of the nfl so you shouldn't do that now but as people have come in more and more and more certain things are just accepted that weren't accepted five years ago and what would you be hoping is the stuff that for example the eagles are trying now or the stuff that um the dolphins are trying that when we get five or ten years down the road that the other teams have bought into that and they're also doing it as the accepted thing rather than like all oh, those guys are out of their minds for trying these things on fourth down on their own you know, side of the 50 <laughs> i i think that is what it's easy to copy stuff that isn't as out there maybe as people would think about it i don't know if i'm articulating that correctly but you know the blowback for some of these things that people try that aren't just your copied and pasted things that have been done for the last two decades in the nfl get a lot more blowback than if you just run your running back into a wall of players and don't make it or else you can say that the teams that are doing the innovation are you know embarrassing the other teams in the league or that because the eagles are so good at the fourth down and one play that maybe it should be banned rather than like these teams are doing stuff that well i do think it should be banned but it is funny because it's like are the nfl teams like oh the eagles should stop converting on fourth down and disrespecting the league i mean come on they probably are (laughs) so we have those elements those are interesting one of the things that has stood out to me in the early going is that you look at the running backs that we have recommended in sort of this round three to round seven-ish range and the run to daylight backs have been fantastic and they do make the bulk of the recommendations because we have a strong preference for players who can create more value on a per touch basis and so you don't have to fall into as much volume but when you do also the results are bigger right everybody's like i mean you want the volume you want the volume who cares if you have some splash plays splash plays aren't repeatable i mean chris johnson scored nine touchdowns for more than 30 yards in his season where he went over 2500 yards from scrimmage right if you have <laughs> the right player in the right offense the big play is exactly what you want exposure to and if you think about it from a even more near-term basis when that player takes the next step and falls into more volume then you have an austin eckler type player right you look at his progress through the first three four years in the league from being a zero rb target that people were very skeptical about to being a clear-cut first round pick and that evolution it can happen overnight it can also happen over the course of years 
but you're looking for the explosive plays and then if you get the type of volume that would justify a player to be picked as the 101 or a top five selection then you get an even bigger win so you have multiple paths you can go down there and that's one of the things that i would say with someone like a james cook where yeah i mean there have been frustrating plays where he hasn't gotten the goal line carry at a point where that would have helped him you look at deandre swift tackled inside the five again this week and you have a situation there where once you get close enough obviously you're going with the quarterback sneak that that is a problem right because it is going to cost you some touchdowns there but we know that he's going to get in at multiple points this season we know james cook is going to get in there is not just a possibility but a strong likelihood at this point that those guys especially in crucial moments earn even more touches because of how good that they are you contrast that with the backs who have been disappointing to this point and those would be these young guys who are the best tackle breaking forces have the best sort of evasion types of peripherals where you're getting a lot of broken tackles you're getting forced missed tackles mixed in there one of the things that we know is that there is some stability with those types of stats and we can count on the guys who break tackles to continue doing that and it is valuable number one because once you've broken that tackle you can continue to run number two coaches love it and so it leads to more volume for you or at least stabilizes your role within the team but we also know there are plenty of guys out there like a david montgomery and certainly i mean one of the reasons that i haven't been that surprised with what zach moss has done over the last couple of weeks is that when you actually go back and look at his peripherals with the buffalo bills they were good right they i mean he actually did what fantasy managers wanted him to do when he was with buffalo the problem is that breaking tackles is not actually a fantasy stat and so if you don't then turn it into yards and touchdowns you're going to end up getting benched i mean at some point that's going to happen to a naji harris for example right you have to have the ability to turn it into yards for it to mean something and we have a lot of reason to believe that Ramondre Stevenson and Javante Williams are going to eventually do that. We have a lot of reasons to believe that the New England Patriots offense is moving in the right direction. They faced a good New York Jets defense, perhaps a great defense. It's harder to tell when you're having to deal with some of these things with your own offense. But they faced this excellent Jets defense in the rain and mac jones plays very well now it wasn't an explosive game by any stretch i mean they were in it with the jets down the end i'm sure that they would have preferred to gap them a little bit more there but when mac jones looks good and you have a real offensive coordinator the ceiling for Mondre stevenson is still absolutely incredible you look at javante williams he's breaking some tackles he's making some plays he can catch some passes russell wilson has looked a little well. he looks healthy Russell Wilson has looked a little better than expected, or at least has some playmaking ability still in there, even if they're also making a lot of mistakes. You know that Sean Payton is going to create a lot of total value for the running backs. You know, the sort of feel-good story in Jaleel McLaughlin, he has not really looked very good. Not, I mean, he hasn't been in great situations, so not by any stretch saying that, you know, he couldn't be the next Austin Eckler, right? We're really rooting for those guys. They're incredible stories. I mean, not dead by any stretch, <laughs> just because he's had a couple of 
you know, mediocre plays on a handful of touches early in his NFL career. When you look at those situations, the thesis is still very much there. And yet the contrast between guys who need to break a lot of tackles and need some of these contextual things to be right. And to be fair, the other players who are doing so much right now and looking so good, I guess with the possible exception of Travis Etienne, who I would say has looked fantastic despite the Jaguars doing a very poor job of executing, calling plays, what have you. They've almost gone back to the, uh, they, they might have opened up that uh, playbook from two seasons ago. The Urban Meyer playbook maybe be back in session here in Jacksonville. I'm kind of blown away by what Cincinnati and Jacksonville are doing with what seems like, I mean, both of these quarterbacks have gone through stretches in college and at the NFL level, or they've been true stars. They're surrounded with talent, and yet we've gotten also a lot of games from them at the NFL level where the quarterback and the offensive coordinators appear completely and totally befuddled. I, which I was going to weird. the phrase that they had had forgotten which sport they were playing. It's like it. I mean, it's been bizarre. I mean, Doug Peterson basically said at halftime that they. <laughs> it, it, it sounded like one of those old school high school basketball you know the coaches try and break the chalkboards to show you that that they're angry it's like coach we know you're angry it's like we were there too uh, <laughs> <laughs> but i think that that contrast right now is very interesting because again it fits with what we have seen from a big picture perspective for the 2023 season which is that the backs who can take a hole who can take a sliver of space and go 20 yards, go 50 yards, go 70 yards, that especially as defenses are trying to make it so difficult to create chunk plays that they become even more important. And they are also important to you as a fantasy manager because that 50-yard run is basically equivalent to a touchdown on the one play. There's, there's not that much that you can do other than really pay up and then hope that guys stay healthy and don't themselves get vultured, right? Because I mean, B. John Robinson is going to get vultured. You look at week one and Austin Eckler gets vultured on plenty of different things there. I mean, Christian McCaffrey has been great so far, but Elijah Mitchell is going to get some touches. You're going to lose some scores to Debo Samuel. You can't control the goal line plays and the rushing touchdowns once you get into the season you don't get to to call the play right you don't get the usage down there at the goal line. and one of the things that it it only makes sense because the jets are trying to win a football game they're not trying to make fantasy managers feel good but when you have been put through that game and then as opposed to garrett wilson or Brees hall getting the touch at the end you get like a fullback plunge for the touchdown you're only going to score once. Let it be to somebody fun, <laughs> right? You can't control those things. But what you can control is drafting elite players, fast players, big play players, right? Once you've drafted that player, he's on your roster and you're set. I mean, he can get hurt. But when you have DeAndre Swift, when you have Travis Etienne, when you have J.K. Dobbins, that guy can get hurt. But while they're healthy, you've got a guy who can make that play. And not too many players can it wasn't on that play, Sean, but one of the things that uh, kind of 
kind of represented how I was feeling with how the Jets were playing was there was a shot, I think it was around halftime, where there is a Jets fan who is so angry that he is shouting at Zach Wilson, basically telling him that he's not playing well. But he's shouting at him so hard that his kind of prosthetic or false front teeth uh, fall out of his mouth, which was uh, kind of the level of frustration that I think we all had watching that, and particularly when you get to the, the goal line plunge situation. But the main thing is that the the Jets still believe that Zach Wilson is the not just the present, but also the future of this uh, offense. No comment. Yeah, I, the... It's so tough, right? Because you're thinking that there's always a chance that the light might flip. Because the lights turned off, Sean. I mean, Zach Wilson was good in college. He wasn't good enough to be drafted where he was drafted. He was good enough to be drafted like in the third or fourth round. And you do get some players who come out of there and are, and are very viable NFL players. He's got a big arm, he's got some mobility. But what we've witnessed from the jets over multiple years is that that is not enough and he needs i mean you just you need more time to sit and and watch or do whatever it just it's completely demoralizing to fantasy managers to a fan base to your teammates when the quarterback just isn't willing to make any throws and you're thinking to an extent from the jets well we're not committing a bunch of turnovers this way and our defense is so good we can stay in games i mean this is a team that defeated the buffalo bills with that being the case it it's also a situation though where you can kind of feel it build where having zach wilson come into a game even who's going to have to play the whole game was not as demoralizing to the team as like knowing before the game that he was going to start <laughs> and so you work through those things and you just you think about and one of the things that's been really cool is the joshua dobbs situation with the arizona cardinals and how much fight he's given them what his athleticism does now he's not a viable starting quarterback for you for the long term I mean, the Cardinals would not have a future with him as the QB. But in the short term, you're also trying to accomplish some objectives which are being competitive and are being dynamic and are giving your players, your teammates, a chance to believe and to have fun and to create big plays. Ben made the a, a pretty convincing case on Stealing Bananas last week that they have to do something different. And I don't think – I mean – I'm sure he's not the only one. There are a lot of people making that case. I actually came in on the sober side of that one. I mean, I've got huge concerns about it. I think you have to be patient at this point, and you have to be aware that those picks are probably – I mean, there are players that you may have to bench for a month, two months, and this is where building an entire roster and having – like legitimate upside in some of your non high leverage picks, you know, having a player like a Rasheed Rice, where if he can continue to do some of those things and starts to be a full route guy, and I don't know that anybody in that Chiefs offense with the depth that they have at receiver, but the lack of overall, like, I mean, just talent as a catch all word for it, that they have, you're probably not going to get to the route levels of the true clear cut fantasy starters. But with a decent number of routes, he could be somebody who does something for you. Certainly a Marvin Mims looks like he's going to be something, I mean, maybe something really special there. You've got to have players like that that get you through. And you know, you think about the Dolphins, guys. And one of the great things about A-Chain, about Mostert, is that in most cases, those players weren't even so expensive that they cost you other important pieces. You've got to be able to get through and try and get your Jets 
into the playoffs and have created that time for them to have addressed the position in some other type of way to get a player in there who allows you to move the ball. And I mean, a player like a Ryan Fitzpatrick, I mean, that's kind of the name that we all think of. Like, there's got to be somebody out there who can move the ball, even if, if there are some turnovers and whether or not the Jets are willing to, to make that trade and to have that trade off when they're in the game itself. I mean, that's the question, but, and it's also the challenge for fantasy management. You've got to be good enough now to get your team to the point where you can have a Garrett Wilson team in the playoffs. You could have a Brees Hall team in the playoffs. Not many other fantasy managers are going to, and then you're going to win because once there's a real QB there, those guys are going to show why in a situation neutral environment that they would have been first round fantasy selections. That's the challenge for all of us. And as opposed to, you know, wallowing and, and being depressed and, and hopefully the fantasy isn't so important to you that it is a, a depressing kind of situation, but it can affect the mood though, Sean, I can confirm that. Well, I mean, you and I do spend a lot of time with it. And so it's, it's important for some of the things to work, right? Winning feels better than losing. I think that's a scientific fact. Yeah, it, it definitely does. But we've got to embrace this as a challenge. There's yeah. nothing you can do about J.K. Dobbins. He's obviously out. There's nothing you can do like to actually alter the Jets situation other than have done the work ahead of time to draft the right team. If you're in leagues that allow trades to do the work right now, if you're in dynasty leagues to continue to perpetually reload, column. Anytime that we can take it as a challenge, as opposed to you know being an NFL owner and saying other people are disrespecting us for doing a good job, that is where we take the next step. I'm excited to do that. Sean, Monday Night Football did see, obviously, the Eagles, the Bucks, 25-11, to 11, and that one in favor of the Eagles. We also had the Rams and the Bengals. I guess you know the big talking point going into that was the status of Joe Burrow and would he be available? He was available. He threw the ball 49 times in this, 26 completions. We also, you know, get the first, I guess, glimpse of what Jamar Chase can do this season. 15 targets going his way, 12 receptions, one for one yards. But T. Higgins, unfortunately, this one, eight targets, just the two receptions, 21 yards. Did leave the game a little bit for cramps in this one, but does come back in. We see Tyler Boyd with the nine targets, but it really was about Jamar Chase. And you mentioned Joe Mixon earlier. He is 19 for 65 on the ground and one touchdown going his way. Just the two targets, one for five through the air. The other question Sean I was going to have on this one, uh, you know, Tutu Atwell, I thought looked pretty sharp, gets into the end zone towards the end, but has a couple of a nice kind of explosive plays from him. Stafford at the start of this game, I was kind of concerned about what he, you know, how his arm looked. I thought then as the game went on, we talked about it after week one. I think Stafford is is okay. His arm is is okay, and we'll see how the team moves forward and when we get Cooper Cup back. I think it could be an interesting development for him at that point and how his season maybe starts to pick up but we do get borrow in there we do get a sighting of jamar chase but we get the unfortunate again i guess performance of of t higgins who it feels like it's very often that he does not be available for the entire contest um for one reason or another the other one mike evans again he is a spectacular catch in that another big day for him 10 targets five receptions 60 yards one touchdown but we we do get limited work again from chris godwin just the five targets going his way and this was a game where it is the philadelphia eagles defense who i think are very much legit lots of teams are going to struggle against them but this was a big struggle for the buccaneers on offense just 146 passing yards for baker mayfield in this one 
but just a 41 rushing yards on 17 attempts for the uh the buccaneers so they really struggled here against the eagles and you know rashad white has a, a long rushiness of, of 12 yards if you take that out of it, it it really starts to look uh really bad for this rushing attack any of your rapid fire takeaways from monday night football as we finish up here well i think the two biggest stories are well the higgins situation that the cincinnati pass catchers obviously anytime that you get a dip for a player like jamar chase you're going to try and buy that in every league now that you've gotten a 15 target game with 12 catches you know that opportunity goes away a little bit i had moved him down just a spot or two in the dynasty rankings and increased the gap between him and justin jefferson this game doesn't really change that because we still have an issue with the time to throw one of the things they love to talk about is how quickly joe burrow gets the ball out well one of the problems there is that they're not allowing these plays to develop his guys don't get a chance to really beat their defenders it's the read pre-snap and then you get the quick release all of these four five six yard passes we want jamar chase behind the defense that doesn't mean that's going to happen every time you think back to week 17 a couple years ago where he wins all of the best ball tournaments with that performance I mean, for this offense to really work, I mean, he's got to be a more dynamic playmaker than he is even in this game. I mean, 12 for 141 is great, but it's still nothing like what you really want to see from him. The flip side of that is we now have two really bad games from T. Higgins. The eight targets, only the two catches. He has a couple of bad drops where there, there aren't even players around him. And the uh, kind of where he is mentally in this particular game is very disconcerting right the other element there though that i just like to throw out because we do (laughs) like to talk about the nfl stylistically and what it needs to be and there was a weird moment in this game where he's targeted on a sideline route and the the defensive back holding him holding him holding him finally higgins breaks free of the contact catches the ball makes his one meaningful play in the game he's obviously called for offensive pass interference because if a defensive back is holding you throughout the route and you finally break free of them then you're going to get called for offensive pass interference this is a huge flaw right and the commentators that was the part that i thought was entertaining slash weird because you've got the three-man crew you've got the you know play-by-play guy you've got the offensive mind the defensive mind and the offensive guy there is like, I mean, how is that necessarily offensive pass interference? He's being held. That, and then you have the main, or again, the guy who is responsible for moderating. It's like you're actually going to contest that that's offensive pass interference. And and the funny thing about it is that yes, we are going to contest that because if you're going to call defenders holding players 30 yards down the field as hand fighting as opposed to holding right but you can you can use terminology that is not accurate to represent something to try and move the discussion in your favor but if you're going to call it hand fighting then call it hand fighting and when the offensive guy wins and the defensive guy capitulates and falls down I mean, it's not pass interference if it's not pass interference the previous 15 yards where you're being held, right? Or it's not illegal contact. 
one of the things people would be like, oh, well, he extended his arms. It's like walk down the street and have someone come up to you and start hand fighting with you and then explain how you're going to disengage from them without your arms becoming extended from your body, right? Because it's hard to hand fight and disengage without like your own arms moving forward. Again, I mean, people are going to say, well, you just wanted T Higgins to score those points, which is the case. I mean, anytime that you have a fantasy player who needs to score to win a game, I mean, having that play wiped out costs our chasing stolen bananas team the victory. And so you get, you know, very focused on that. If it happened to two players I didn't care about, you wouldn't be feeling about it in the same way. But the, the big picture is that the NFL has a problem with the product, which is that that game last night between the Bengals and the Rams was exciting because there are a lot of good players and they're exciting because it's close, but the product itself was terrible. And it shouldn't be when you have, if you have Matthew Stafford, if you have Joe Burrow, if you have Jamar Chase and T Higgins, the game shouldn't be boring. And it shouldn't be a situation where one of the best plays in the game is called back because the defender is allowed to hold, 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 and then quit and benefit from it. <laughs> right. So I would like to see that change. I mean, it goes back to Chiefs fans from a previous era who got to experience Tony Gonzalez. I mean, everybody now, I mean, Travis Kelsey, one of the all-time greats, you know, probably still not the level of Tony Gonzalez. I mean, Tony Gonzalez was like the offense for Kansas City for a decade, and every route that he would run, he would get bear-hugged by a linebacker or a safety. And when he would break out of the bear hug, he would inevitably be called for offensive pass interference. And he still has the greatest numbers of all time. That's not the way that the game should work. I mean, one of the reasons why they changed the rules was that the New England Patriots would cheat every single play on every single receiver, and it'd be like, yeah, we know we're cheating. Force us to stop. Call the penalties. And the NFL's like, hey, well, we're going to change how we're kind of emphasizing the rules, and now we're going to have commentators for a decade talk about how difficult it is to play defense. How is it difficult to play defense? You can hold a guy all the way down the field and then flop, and you're going to get offensive pass interference. How is that difficult defense? So anyway, I would again, I would like to see that part of it changed i mean if t higgins is going to make one good play in the game let him have it i mean he's going to drop these other balls so we get sean fired up again love it we're, we're like winding down the clock to the end of the show but sean is is raising up the energy levels as we close out sean i'm going to try and see if this raises energy levels that has been reported as we are live on the show here recording the jets are signing a quarterback quarterback is trevor simeon Positive, negative, neutral. You probably in the moment might need some time to think through it, but at least it may not be Zach Wilson. What is their rhetoric with the signing? I haven't seen anything other than he's expected to sign. That's a step in the right direction. <laughs> Colin, the other big note from Monday Night Football as it relates to the receivers, you mentioned Mike Evans playing another very good game. This one is is a little bit odd as we get through three weeks. Now that you have three weeks in the books, if all three weeks are pointing in the same direction, we have to start to feel more like that is real. Now, it's not to say that players aren't going to bounce back. I mean, Chris Godwin is going to have a better season than what he's looked like so far. There were a couple of opportunities in week two that I don't think we talked about where he was missed when he was behind the defense. He was missed in the end zone. There are chances there. He goes out of bounds at the one-yard line in this game. 
it's very clear that the change from Tom Brady to Baker Mayfield is going to benefit Evans very disproportionately and that Chris Godwin's going to be left behind. I think that's a little bit surprising when we go back through and look at what Chris Godwin has actually done as an NFL player, right? The overall wide receiver two in 2019, the wide receiver six on a points per game basis in 2021. He's been a wide receiver two or better, obviously all four of those years, including last year when he's coming off of a serious injury. He says that, I mean, he's much healthier for 2023. You look back at the last two seasons combined and despite the fact that one of those has played at well less than 100%, his yards per route across the two years together, better than Mike Evans. So for there to be such a huge gap is surprising and interesting, a testament to how good Mike Evans is. We know that Baker Mayfield struggles on a lot of different elements of being a quarterback, but can keep some plays alive. He also can make the deep throw in certain circumstances. Those things have worked in the favor of Mike Evans. The big thing I wanted to see change here was a shift in Chris Godwin's dot. The first four years of his career, he was above 10. The last couple of seasons, below eight. Last year, below six. I mean, Tom Brady basically dropping back and saying, I don't want to deal with any possibility of someone hitting me. I'm going to get rid of the ball. It's, again, this thing where getting rid of the ball quickly if you're not attacking down the field. Getting rid of the ball quickly if you're the Miami Dolphins, you're Tua, you're attacking down the field, that's great. Getting rid of the ball quickly like Tom Brady did last year, like Joe Burrow is right now, that is not good for your offense. There was a strong possibility that Baker Mayfield would actually benefit both receivers in this way. Now, the ADOT for Godwin has increased, but it's below 10. Still not where you're really hoping it's going to be if he's going to reemerge as a top 10 wide receiver. If you've watched three weeks now, this idea that he could be a top 10 wide receiver in 2023 you know, that ship has sailed. Could he be a top 15 wide receiver rest of season? I think that possibility is there, but we definitely are going to need to see some changes. The Bucks have been better than expected, and they have plenty of incentive to make any changes that's going to make their offense better. Hopefully, we'll get a little bit more out of Chris Godwin, but right now, this is Mike Evans' offense. Yeah, it seems there's a lot more. Mayfield is much more comfortable it looks going the way of Mike Evans so we'll see what happens moving forward that's going to take us to the end of this episode we will be back with our Friday edition of Rotoviz OT make sure you are subscribed to the Rotoviz podcast feed for obviously Rotoviz in general the Rotoviz radio podcast feed but there's also our very own Rotoviz overtime podcast feed and you will get the shows as soon as they are available over there my name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtomart, and my co-host is Sean Siegel. Check out his work up on rotaviz.com. And until we are back, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotavizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotaviz.com forward slash podcast.